I don't remember the last time I was here. It's been a while. But I do remember those, those times, those few times I had the privilege of coming and sharing with you and proclaiming Christ to you. It is a joy for me to be in your company today. Uh, what a privilege it is for a minister to speak of Jesus. Uh, not only to those, every one of you assembled here, but also and maybe especially to the preacher himself. We are all sitting under the voice of Christ. So let's all give careful attention as the word is read in our presence. I'm going to read to you Luke chapter 14, verses 12 through 24. I will refer to some of the earlier verses at the beginning of the sermon, so you can be mindful of them. But let me read these as our scripture text for the message, Luke 14, 12 through 24. Listen now to the voice of your Savior. <clears throat> He said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. <clears throat> when one of those who reclined a table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet he sent his servants, to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servants, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste of my banquet. This is the word of our God. May he add his blessing to its reading. Let's pray, shall we? Our Father, we ask now that you would come and give us understanding of your word. We want to believe what you have said and live happily under your rule. We want to grow in faith and in holiness. What we know not teach us, what we have not give us. What we are not, make us. 
for the glory of your name. Amen. Everybody loves a feast. Delicious food, good company, interesting conversation. What's not to love about being with friends and sharing a meal? And who is surprised when they read in Scripture all of the food images that give us a picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ? We've already read a number of them, including Isaiah 55. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. Right? Listen diligently to me, says God, and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Here are the words of Jesus. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Jesus speaks of himself in rich culinary terms, doesn't he? I am the bread of life. Come to me all who thirst. Whenever we take the communion meal, we feast upon Christ by faith. That's the language we use, and that is good language because that is what we do. And what did the angel tell John to write down? Revelation 19.9, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Food and occasions for eating and drinking give such amazing metaphors for all that God has given to us in the gospel of His Son. The blessings that come with knowing Jesus are rich. They are abundant. They satisfy the longings of the soul. And like a good meal, they give joy to those who come and receive them. Luke 14 records three Food stories, one historical account of a dinner party and two parables about dinner parties that were told at the party. So lessons about parties that Jesus told while he was at a party. It's pretty good. The lessons he gave were reproving and they were no doubt shocking to those who were there and listened to Jesus speak. To the host to one particular guest, and to all of those who are there. So let's take a look at the scene and then give attention to the second parable. So I want you to look with me at this text and see three things. An awkward moment, a generous invitation, and then a shocking exclusion. That will be the outline for today's message. So first, this Awkward moment. Jesus was eating at the home of a very important man, a ruler of the Pharisees. Other guests attended, some Pharisees, some lawyers, perhaps others were there. They were there to dine, but they were also there to see Jesus. Not merely to visit with him, but to check him out. They were watching him carefully. It's there in verse 1. And I think that you know that when people watched Jesus carefully, they watched him so that they could catch him doing something they believed ought not to be done. 
It was the Sabbath, and a man afflicted with dropsy was there. We call that condition edema now. He was there. He was near Jesus. I doubt that he was an honored guest because Jesus will later tell the ruler to invite the sick and not wealthy friends and relatives. Perhaps this needy man was there as a trap. Guests wondered as they watched, what was Jesus going to do? Would he heal this man on the Sabbath and violate the fourth commandment? But healing the sick does not violate the commandment. That's what Jesus taught any more than rescuing a fallen son or even an ox. Jesus healed the man, and then he dismissed him. And the host was silent. The guests were silent. They had no reply. Verse 6. Then Jesus told a parable to the guests to teach them not to seek places of honor. You can see that parable in verses 7 through 11. He saw them choosing the best seats, and so he told them not to do that. It's better to take a low place and be invited to move up than to take an honored position and be told to move down. Jesus was not one for small talk, at least not at this dinner party. He saw things. He addressed things. And people who heard him were speechless and no doubt very uncomfortable. And uh, there's more. Let me read again to you from verse 12. He said also to the man who had invited him, so this is the host, important guy, ruler of the Pharisees, he said to him, here are his words, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, <coughs> the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. What? A gutsy thing to say to his host. Jesus told him not to invite the very people he had invited, people who were there listening to his words. Don't be concerned about returns in this life. Inviting people close to you or people of means will provide those returns, but you're not to seek them. Bless the needy. Invite the despised. Be generous toward the poor with no thought of repayment. That, that's what Jesus was teaching. The rewards will come when the just are raised. You do what is right now and be patient as you wait for what is coming. What a shocking thing for a dinner guest to say. But he said it. That's, that's the awkward moment. Imagine being there, hearing the insightful and penetrating words of the Lord Jesus. I wonder how long that moment was. The next words spoken were those of another guest. Here are the words, verse 15. 
Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. What? <laughs> was he even listening? Did he not get the force of what Jesus was saying? He did not. And we know he didn't because of these next words. Let's not miss them. Verse 16. But he, that is Jesus, said to him, the parable of the great banquet, as we sometimes call it, was delivered to him. It was the response of Jesus to this comment. And through him, it was told to the other guests. <clears throat> Bread will be served in the kingdom, but there will be people who will not eat it. It will not be a blessed day for them. Now let's take up the generous invitation, and it is generous, very generous. The host in the parable invited a lot of people to a feast and then had food prepared for those he was sure would come. When the feast was ready, with everything in place, the second notice went out. Now's the time. The food is prepared. Come and get it. The guests wouldn't come. They gave reasons, but they weren't good ones. I bought a field, and I've got to check it out. I bought some animals. I need to inspect them. I have a wife now. I, I can't come. can't make it. All fine things to do. But there were terrible reasons to miss a feast that was carefully prepared for them. They were weak excuses. They were offensive excuses. They just didn't want to come. The servant reported back, and the master became angry. The people blew him off with no regard for the investment he had made for their comfort. All the effort that he made to provide generously for them wasted. Unfortunately, I understand this having once offended a host in a similar way. Some of you know that I lived for a time in a region of Uganda called Karamoja. Some of you actually have been there. Welcome back. It is the poorest part of one of the poorest countries in the world. The Karamojong people are hospitable, they are generous, and they loved to prepare food for guests, sometimes at considerable expense to them. Early in my time there, I stopped by a friend's hut to collect something. I told him I was coming. <clears throat> I did not tell him I was staying, but he assumed I would and, uh, and that I'd be there for a while, and so his family prepared accordingly. So there I was with a few of my kids looking at this enormous spread of amazing food prepared just for my family. I was in a hurry, and I really had to leave. A concept unknown to Karamojong people I came to discover. No one is ever in a hurry, and no one ever feels pressure to leave anywhere. It's a lesson maybe some of us can learn. Anyway, I thanked him, apologized, and I took off for the next thing. That was really bad form. 
I later learned how offensive <clears throat> that was and made another apology to this family who, uh, who in time became very close, treasured friends. We enjoyed each other over many meals after that, so things did eventually work out. But this is how I learned to accept all generous invitations. In Karamoja, you don't refuse hospitality even if it's inconvenient to accept it, especially when food is prepared just for you. I don't really know what my friend did with all the food. Maybe he brought in the poor and crippled and blind and lame to fill his table. I don't know. The host in the parable sent someone to do just that. But there was still room. So the broadest possible invitation went out. Everyone come. Anyone come. I will be host to a lavish feast. I want a full house today. There is a, a tragic inline in verse 24, but before we get there, think for a moment about God's generous invitation to the world, to the whole world. I'm sure that you know that this parable is not really about food as much as we all love to eat. It is about God inviting people into his home. The invitation is sincere and it is universal. Preparations have been made and all are now welcome to enter the fellowship of God's family through faith in Jesus Christ, the only name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Acts 4.12. I hope you all agree with that. Do you think much about the welcome of God? You should. Do you extend that welcome to people you see? Do you love being in God's family? I know you do. It's wonderful, isn't it? Being a child of the living God. I hope you say, I love being a Christian. I am so glad that I have a Savior, one who loves me and gave his life for me, is present with me, makes promises to me, one who helps me and provides for me and protects me and guides me and will one day bring me to heaven, a place of never-ending joy and fellowship with him and all of his people. I am so happy that I am Christ's and that Christ is mine. Do you want others to join the family? Do you want the world to enjoy the feast? It is a feast, you know. We all feast at the table of Christ. We're doing it right now, actually, as we join our hearts and, uh, and our words in praise and in prayer and as we give attention to the promises and commands of Scripture, it is a feast. Life with Jesus is a feast. It is a party hosted by our Savior and King. Not that life is easy and comfortable. That's, we know that's not so. It's filled with trials. We all know it. We all feel it. Jesus promised that there would be trials. 
It's never good to pretend that all things are well when sin and suffering persist. But there's no need to pretend. Life is hard, and some troubles never go away in this life. We need to learn how to speak honestly about this, do so to ourselves and to God in our prayers, while we long for the resurrection of the just, when all things will be made right, we will see Jesus, and when we see him, we will be like him, 1 John 3, 2, and we'll spend eternity joyfully worshiping our Savior with all the family of God. But life in this age is hard, and that's why we need Jesus. And hallelujah, we have him. We have Jesus. Jesus came into the world and died and rose from the dead. He went up into heaven and sent the Spirit to dwell in us. And right now, Jesus is representing us at the right hand of the Almighty, and he's praying for us. It is good to have such a victorious and compassionate Savior. And brothers and sisters, Jesus is there for you. He listens to you. He never, ever mocks you. He does not reject you. He loves your prayers. And he always, always welcomes you. Do you believe that? You must believe it. I love how one preacher put it. He said, Jesus is a friend who always lets you in and never lets you down. Do you believe that? Maybe you're here and you don't have a friendship with Jesus. You've heard about him, but you don't know him. You are invited to come and confess your sins to him to trust that he died to pay for your sins. You can enjoy the pardon of all of your sins and the new life that Jesus offers and truly gives to all of those who come to him. You are invited to the feast. Welcome to the feast. Jesus feeds us so well, doesn't he? Here's how J.C. Ryle put it in his comments on the parable. He wrote, There is nothing that sin-laden hearts can wish or weary consciences require which is not spread before men in rich abundance in Christ. This is how we should understand the mission of the church, of this church, of Harvest, OPC. Jesus has welcomed us into the home of his Father. We serve so that others would receive that welcome. Here's how one writer put it. The Christian mission is nothing more or less than our participation in the the hospitality of God. That's a good quote. I think he's right. And that's why we send missionaries overseas. That's why we plant churches in our own country. It's why you're here in Wyoming to extend the welcome of God as you live and breathe and work and play in this needy place. It is why 330 churches of the OPC, along with Mission Works, support those who invite needy souls to come and eat. 
when you receive reports from missionaries or church planters and you pray for them, you ask God to help them and those who serve with them to deliver this welcome to people in their communities. They participate, as do you, in the hospitality of God. And so we pray for all of Christ's servants, don't we? And we pray that the Lord of the harvest would send out more laborers. And together, we compel the world to come to the feast. We compel them. That's, that's strong language, but that's the word that Jesus uses, verse 23. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. Compel them. <clears throat> Not force them or drag them, but urge them, persuade them, invite them, and surely welcome them. The master's house must be filled with hungry souls ready to eat and be satisfied. The food is ready. There's room at the table. Compel them to come in. The gospel invitation is broad and it is generous. And while there is time, there is hope for the world. But there will not always be time and while all are invited, not all will accept the invitation. So let's move to the tragic end of the text and a shocking exclusion of those who dismiss the invitation of Jesus Christ. Remember that this parable was Jesus' response to the guest who said these words, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. I mean, you can, you can almost imagine his tone. What a day that will be. We'll be there. We'll all eat. We'll be blessed. That's what he thought. Not so fast. There will be people who imagine themselves there, but will be excluded because they rejected God's generous offer. <clears throat> the invitation to come is generous. It is also urgent. The welcome of God is serious stuff. There is a lot at stake. Here, here's the chilling concluding sentence. Verse 24. <clears throat> For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste of my banquet. <clears throat> Jesus is warning his own people in this parable, the Jewish people who were privileged in so many ways and yet trusted in their privilege and not the one whom God sent to save them. They were invited. All preparations were made, but they did not come. Maybe you remember John 1.11, he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. That's true. That's important. But let's not miss the broader scope. We are living right now in the age of welcome. Christ's atoning work is finished and the invitation to come continues. And it extends to all people. The, the warning also extends to everybody. There are people living in our day 
who think things are well when they are not. Or, or they think things are lousy, but have no idea how to cope with the problems of the world or the trials they face. They are feeding on ideas and patterns of conduct that seem to satisfy, but they do not. They are making a wretched choice, as the hymn goes, and rather starve than come. They are starving while they lay aside the invitation to feast. It is your privilege to deliver that invitation to them. Come and eat. It may not feel good to share Christ. It may seem stiff. You may not know what to say. Maybe you're concerned about Bible words that people don't understand. You may feel that you don't have enough experience. I know what you're thinking. Tricarico, how did you know? And I'm going to tell you how I know because I read Pastor Crum's blog post that mentioned these five uh, hindrances to witness. So you should read those, those, po- those, uh, those, those reasons and then you should look at the answers that he gives. What a joy it is to be a Christian and to tell people so and say, come. Taste and see that the Lord is good. That's Psalm 34, 8. Listen diligently to Jesus and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the word that has come to us today. Help us all to live by it, to love your fellowship, to long for a growing harvest and to make known the delights that come with faith in Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. Let's rejoice in the Lord as we sing our final hymn, which is How Sweet and Awesome is the Place. Please rise with me. We'll sing stanzas one through four, and then number six. There it is. Let's sing
the blessing of your God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.